face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and joining me, of course, are Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. Right on! Ho, 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 ho! Before we start, I've just got a question to ask. Yeah, oh, go on. Are you nicking a bottle of wine straight from the bottle? Because I could only see... Right, it look Because you could only see, like, little picture at the bottom. When we played the titles, it looked like you were sneakily downing a bottle of wine out nicking it. That is what it looked like. I'll have a bottle of tropical uh, copper bag in which no, I've distilled my wine so no one's any the wiser until you sh- <laughs> your mouth. Copperberg, which is a very good cider, and if they're looking very. to sponsor any um, grassroots podcasts. Yeah, yeah if uh, Copperberg would like to sponsor us, I'm up for that. I don't mind drinking some Copperberg. Or even better, we could the lake. I prefer Copperberg, I've got to say, and especially their new tropical uh, Copperberg, which, oh God, it's a limited edition at, at Christmas time, which just brings the, the feeling of the tropical islands to my Christmas day. I don't know about you guys, just sponsor us, sponsor us, come Absolutely. on. Absolutely. More ad reads like that you can That's expect. It. Can you imagine? Oh. Oh. Did you ever try the Thatcher's uh, Halloween one a couple of years ago? When no. When toffee but... apple? No. Oh, I, I tasted a similar oh, one from Brothers. Oh, it was like lush. It was best side I've ever had. Are you sure that wasn't Brothers? They do a toffee apple. No, it was Patches. Brothers one is great. Don't be mentioning the other brands. Where Copperberg... hey, I don't mind which one wants to sponsor us. That's true. That's true. <laughs> bidding war. I think we need a bidding war. So before we do kick off the show, though, um, anyone who's not seen my Edward apology video, it is on the Facebook group. And... I have to add to it that when I was listing Edwards that I was a fan of, uh, I neglected to mention my very good friend Gareth Edward George and his son Harry Edward George, uh, who both have the middle name Edward. And I was going to say it's even the middle name, which was the the sin you 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 did exactly. Was to insult so I Edward O'Brien. I think this puts Edward Gate to bed that one of my very best friends in the whole world has a middle name Edward. Uh, James, it would do, until we discovered this video from years ago. No, just joking. We, we've got nothing. It's all good. It's all good. So now we've got that out of the way, we're going to talk about Mindwalk, which is the latest episode of Prodigy, and we're going to do some Star Trek Christmas specials that, that we've made up specially for you. Yeah, they're pictures. So, like, we want you to come up with your Star Trek pictures for, like, Christmas specials you do for Star Trek. And we'll read them out when we're doing that section. And uh, also, if you want to kind of rate which one you think is your favourite out of the three, you know? Oh, oh, Christmas uh, fun. We oh, weren't going to go there. It was a competition. That's it. Um, sorry, sorry, life's a competition, guys. And and this dragon's just one. I think someone just wants validation for their pitch, <laughs> and that. You know, I I thought this was a fully cooperative experience that we were going for, but now it's all a big competition, so... Yeah, I didn't realise... What I'm saying is, Dragon Boy here has had a tough year. He needs the fucking validation. I'm sorry, but... Okay, yours is the best. (laughs) Brilliant, I'll take it. No competition needed. 
There we go. Okay. My head just fell off. So before we get to the main event then, which is obviously Dr. Squee's um, pitch for the Star Trek Christmas special, we are going to talk... All week on it. All week on it. Honestly, uh, this is the way I quite often write. I think about something for a week and then I hurriedly write down... Oh, yeah, yeah, I made notes, otherwise I wouldn't remember half of it. I then I'm, I'm right. to make notes and write stuff down. Oh, yeah, I've, yeah, got, I've got, got notes. Look. Oh, fucking hell. Look, I've got <laughs> notes, but I'm also going to wing it. And for anyone on audio, I'm holding up my dragon wings. My, my notes for my Star Trek episode, there you go, preview for anyone who's watching on video, are even longer than my notes for the actual Star Trek episode we're talking about. God. So, there you, so go. you can see where our pe- our concentration goes. <laughs> it's been a busy week at work this week, I have to say. <laughs> oh, mine's been really slow. It's been great. Mine's been really done house chores. Well, that's why yours is going to have dialogue and all sorts. <laughs> um, anyway, Mind Warp, the latest episode of Prodigy then. And it's a body swap episode. I love body swap episodes. You'll remember I wasn't quite so hot on Spock and Mark because I didn't think they did enough with the, the body swap concept. Uh, but this one, really, really liked it. I think body swap really works well in, in animation. And, like, because the, yeah. the one that I always, always remember is, I think it's called The Old Switcheroo. And it's an episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where Splinter and Shredder swap bodies. And, you know, shenanigans and hijinks ensues. Um, but, yeah, so I like, I like body yeah, swap I, episodes. I would also say uh, Spock and Mock, the, the problem I had with that was mm-hmm. they were in their first series. We Even though we know Spock from other shows, we don't know this version of Spock. I thought it was way too early to do that because they're, they're resting on the legacy of other people playing the role, which I think they do occasionally on... Um, Strange New Worlds. Whereas this, we've had seven years of meeting Janeway in the mm-hmm. other show, and we've had almost a full series of, well, almost two movie. series if it was done normally. However, well, you want to like us, so we've had seventeen episodes of learning this Janeway, and it is a hologram of the original, played by the original actress. So I think it's okay to include the canon of of uh, Voyager, yeah. and a new audience will have met her enough by now. Now, I know we've had the the controversy about whether this is season one or season two of Prodigy, Um, but I did think today, if we do classify all of this as season one, which is what the producers want us to do, then I think this is probably the most consistent regular length season first season of star trek because you know we said season one of strange new worlds was possibly the best first season barring the original series but that was only 10 episodes whereas we've nearly had the full run of 20 here and the quality's been remarkably consistent across it the quality's been amazing but you have to put a a huge (laughs) matrix by that one just for the fact that they've got two years basically to do what they're calling one series, whereas the other shows... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 10 there... weeks to 10 episodes. And even if you take it 10 episodes at a time, though, I'd still put that on this series. Yeah, it's still the being And also, the, the episodes are only 22 minutes long, so in in terms of screen time, Strange New Worlds has actually done more with one season. Anyway, but we can get into all the semantics of it. It was just a thought that occurred to me, and I thought I oh, was going to put it out no, there. No, I agree. I agree. I definitely... I lo- I've absolutely loved it. Been... It has been very good quality. It's been high quality right through. Yeah. Do you know what? 
other Star Treks have always been what I've aspired to. Like, look at these great examples of humanity. I want to be like that. Uh, Prodigy is the first one where I feel seen by it. Like a misfit rebel who kind of didn't really get on at school, who then gets accepted by people. Like, I really love that idea. And it's kind of like, uh, it is the journey I went through with school and then finding my geeky tribe and feeling that acceptance. So I, I love it for that reason. I think it's it feels very personal. This you mean somehow. you didn't identify with the normal, average, everyday teenager Wesley Crusher back in the day? I'm telling you, I, I thought you were going to go for like where at school. It's like, no, there was a lot of, of anti-dragon movement at the time. Luckily, mm. times have changed. Dragon-human hybrids are more acceptable now. I think but, um, Game of Thrones well, did a lot for human-dragon relationships. Relationship. I think it yeah, really sort of... Even though they're all just fire-breathing, at least they you know, they did that work of normalising dragons. They did. Not creating a, a round body of work for, for my and people. And I think Daenerys's relationship with the dragons, that she was very open about being the mother of dragons, that they were her children, I think, like you say, really helped the, the dragon-human hybrids out there. Together. Brought us together in a, in a big, bad way, yeah. Absolutely. So, so should we talk about Prodigy. this episode of Prodigy? Yeah, let, let's get there. We're what nine minutes in. I think we're doing well. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so it's called Mindwalk, and it picks up as Prodigy seems to be as it's going along, getting more and more serialized. So we're just right back where we left off last time. And Hollow Janeway, feeling all the guilt and everything, says she's going to turn herself off. She may not actually turn herself off. Spoilers. Yeah, she may have told another porcupine. Yeah, but she makes a big song and dance, I'm going to turn myself off, and then the ship warps itself out of the way. Meanwhile, on the other ship, we've got the Diviner hiding the real Janeway in a cupboard. And... This is something you talk about quite often, Squee, how when they do things, you like there to be a little bit in dialogue that just explains why we're doing something. So they do yep. actually bring up the question of, well, why don't we just flush her out an airlock if we want to get rid of her? And <laughs> yeah. we do get an answer, which is, well, that'll probably raise more questions and get us in more trouble. So... They do pay it that little bit of lip yeah. service. I'm not sure the logic oh. follows because she's still missing well, if she's hidden in the wardrobe. She's missing, but if you open the airlocks, a sensor will go off somewhere and alert that yeah. airlock's being opened. Also, if you trace back her combat, you'll still find it in her quarters with her. You'll find life signs. You'll find every proof of life. So the only thing you really need is the ensign's... Um, word that she's you know yeah. she's given her these orders and she's not to be disturbed so it's a pretty it's a lot of an easier sell of a lie and i think uh, prodigy all over has been really great for giving us explanations for pretty much everything if not everything yeah now oh that's just that's just triggered something in my brain but it's a bit too early for spoilers but i saw avatar 2 right and it's three and a quarter hours long and there's still bits in it where characters have information that they shouldn't have at that point. And I won't elaborate because I don't want to give spoilers, but when it's been out long enough and everybody who wants to see it has seen it, which, which is less people than James Cameron thought. Mm. Um, and I'm happy to go. It was actually really good. I really enjoyed it. But <laughs> when your film is three and a quarter hours long, you should not have such 
obvious plot inconsistencies. There is enough screen time to deal with it. Prod- and when you've had 13 hours, 13 years to make yeah. your movie. And Pro- <laughs> Prodigy's done it in 22 minutes, James Cameron. Pay attention. Anyway. May I also just throw in on the Prodigy of it all? One thing I really loved in this episode, and I've done it in a few other episodes, and I've, I've forgotten to mention it. I love when... <coughs> sorry. <coughs> I love it when they put in the little stings from the Prodigy music, which is obviously heavily influenced by uh, Voyager's music. Mm-hmm. So you get kind of get these uh, stings, which are just, they're so nostalgic for Voyager. And I know you guys have your fair kind of comments about Voyager and some inconsistencies. I really like Voyager. Cool. I like but, Voyager. Um, okay, cool, 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 cool. I like Voyager that much. It might as well be called Star Trek Edward. Okay, okay. But that aside, I'm just saying it's really a lovely kind of thing of where the other shows always use the original series sting to kind of conjure up the mood of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. This one uses Voyager, which is a nice change because I think I've said before, I I sort of like and don't like the fact that in every show they've got to have a lot of sting of the are, original Facebook series. user. Okay, okay. But in the in the like in the other shows, they keep on putting in little stings of the original series tune. Whereas mm-hmm. it's really nice to have one which does something different, which kind of calls back to Voyager. Yeah, instead. they did it a little bit in season one of Picard, didn't they, when uh, Seven of Nine were first on? Like They, they just had a few strings of, of Voyager in there. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you, and I like the fact that... Oh, I suck. Okay. I just want to say, whoever that is, I do that after the show and it's none of your business. Thank you. So Can I'm, I brush up who it is? <laughs> no, that's fine. I would rather be abused by nameless people. If, if you were, li- if you're listening in, uh, then uh, that was uh, the the quote on the screen was "You suck, Jim." So, yeah, thank you. Remind the audio listeners who, the best who, Star Trek series. who won't be. Yeah, I agree, Jordy. Who oh, won't Jody. be privy to my abuse? That's fine. That's fine. Just draw draw all the attention to the abuse I'm receiving. You know what? <laughs> As I turn lo- it into a BJ joke. Come as, on. As long as we're getting as long as we're getting the attention, <laughs> it means we're doing something right. Anyway, back to the plot. So, they come up with this whole thing that they're gonna reach out to Janeway using Dal's augmented blah 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 blah. And they're they're gonna create a mind link and fluidy fluidy flu and technobabble, technobabble, technobabble. <laughs> and the the ship gets shot. Whereas I think my phone has now realised that I swear far too much because it has spell corrected the ship gets shot to the ship gets shit in my notes. <laughs> and it's hyperspace dysentery. It's the worst, I tell you. It is. And uh, this causes the body stop, the body swap to actually happen. And, oh, and I do. I, sorry, just give a throat shout no, out to the no. Medusans. The way they've written the Medusans, I love the fact that they've got the psychic ability. Yeah. You can use the encounter suit, so anytime you need to, you don't want psychic powers to ruin the plot. You can just go, ah, it's been dampened by the kit. What are you going to do? It's great. They, they put enough limitations so that you can only use it sparingly, but they've given that ability. I just thought it was nice. Touch. It's always good when you have like these overpowered people, you know, OP as the as the gamers say, and so you have to constantly come up with reasons why they're not as powerful. Like it's always coming to the kryptonite. There you go. I was going to say Superman is a great example that they have to tie themselves up in knots 
to explain why Superman can't just sort everything out in two minutes flat. And it's usually something like, well, the, the, the sun isn't quite the same, so he's not getting all the power that he needs or what have you. But well, yeah. I've always wanted them to do, do one with Superman, and I don't think they've ever done this. <laughs> you yeah. just don't like Superman. I've always wanted them to do one with Superman. No, 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 I, I don't really love Superman. Which Henry Cavill's has. Yeah. Too soon. I thought I thought his biggest biggest flaw was for everyone he's saving, he is hearing hundreds, if not thousands, of people all over the world dying in every second. That I think they should like his neuroses like gets the better. And one day he has a mental breakdown because of all the screams of the dead that he hears in every moment. Because no matter what he's doing, if he's saving lives, others are dying. If he's at home with Lois, um, you know, watching TV. People are dying. Yeah. Any moment he has to himself, he is letting people die. It's a little bit like the, um, I think J.J. Abrams did a pitch for a Superman trilogy at one point that never got made. And the idea was that it, it would be this trilogy that would cover all of Superman's life. And it was going to finish with Superman being the only life form left on planet Earth as the sun's dying. And eventually, as our son dies, Superman dies because he becomes mortal without the rays of the sun. And I oh, really right. liked that concept as a really? as a way to finish Superman's story. But they went, you know what? Forget J.J. Abrams. Zack Snyder's got an idea. Let's run with that instead. Like, let's not. That's why you're in the situation you're in right now. And also... R.I.P. to The Rock's Black Adam, who is not going to feature in the first chapter of the new DC Universe. Sad. I like Black Adam. Sad news. So did I. So did I. I thought... It was a good one. It sounds like the amount of money they spent wasn't up to the IP's draw. No, there was a bad film. No, 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 no. I, I agree. And I don't think it was ever going to be, but I think... I think The Rock's charisma just managed to convince these producers that somehow this obscure anti-hero was going to be the biggest thing they'd ever seen, which good on him, you know yep, but never he mind he made a profit, it, yes yeah. if you if you, so, if you count up all arguable. of column B and divide it by the number of <laughs> it's very arguable because yeah it's, there's different figures for everything on that yeah, shoot that it, well the the thing is that Hollywood has its own um, mathematics, shall we call it, because that's how they get away from giving their actors shares of profit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Movies like the, into the contract. There's litigation. The, I think time. a really famous one is the writer of Forrest Gump didn't get paid anything because they somehow <laughs> managed to prove that it didn't make any money. Yeah. So there you go. Which is why you but, need to get your above the line deal. Which is why deal. you wouldn't let them, wouldn't write a Forest Gump two and denied them rights to make a Forest yeah. Gump two. And yeah, you need your, you need your, your gross deal, which very fact, few people actually Gump get. Two, yeah, it's absolutely atrocious. Yeah, it's apparently it's, not very it's good. It's crap, and he did it deliberately. Yeah. Never even heard of it. Yeah, it's, yeah it, mm, he deliberately wrote a crap yeah. sequel because of how they screwed him over. Anyway, shall we Prodigy for a minute? Yeah, let's go back to Prodigy just briefly. So some of the shenanigans we get are that Dal doesn't like the coffee, and obviously that's Janeway's thing, is liking the coffee. Ah, but, ah, but older Janeway, Admiral, Vice Admiral Janeway, is off the coffee, she's on tea. Yeah. No, 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 no. you say this. Is, is that so in this reality? That was in the other reality. 
Things can no, change. I think it has been said in this one. It, it's been shown on the year as well. Yeah. It's, be, it's because Dow knows Hollow Janeway, who's based on a younger Janeway, who still does like the coffee. So he assumes that coffee's her drink. Yeah. Oh no, and the 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 doctor did say drink this coffee. It's an order. Uh, maybe he gives it to her when she's struggling a bit. Maybe that's a little pep up. She just has a coffee every now yeah, and again. I wonder if all the Janeway has been uh, told not to drink coffee for blood pressure or something like that. Oh, they don't have oh, bad blood pressure. In I just remembered his. Ter- he he literally said it's like you've got to drink this coffee. That's an order. In this particular case, I just I loved all the fun which um, Kate Mulgrew got to have with this yeah. one. This has been such a blast, and with the well, it's one of those things where I don't mind a little bit of a concession to the fact that it's cartoon by giving her over the top actions, which yes. yeah, but, her age she wouldn't wouldn't be quite up to. But yeah, but that's uh, where animation, is, like you were saying at the start, animation is better at doing yeah. body swaps. Yeah, because you can have the other characters' mannerisms perfectly done in the other character. And also, though, you've just I, I just meant the, yeah. the clothes. You move them exactly how the, their character yeah. normally moves. I, I just meant the physical limitations. Like, if he went into my body right now, he wouldn't be able to do all those wild movements he was no. doing. I doubt he'd be able to do it with Janeway's body. But again, I can make some concessions that a, an animated form can have a bit more fun with it. It doesn't have yeah, to be that, that It's a limitation that, like, real life has that people can't exactly yeah. mimic someone else's. That's true too. So if you're in someone else's body and you're moving how you would normally, mm-hmm. yeah. Though on that on that note, I thought it was really clever how the animation on Dal with Janeway in with Janeway's mind in Dal's body took Janeway on took on Janeway's mannerisms like the way he was standing and everything. I thought yeah. that was really clever, really, oh, really good. Yeah. And I, also, I also think this is one of the best examples because it really annoys me when they body swap and it's always like when it's an older and younger person and they play the older actor plays the younger person ridiculously over the top. Mm. And I don't think Kate Mulgrew did that. I think no. it was very true how he no. plays it. No, it was really, really well good and it, it showed how sort of capable Dal's becoming and everything, that you have this contrast, or, or comparison rather, it's not really a contrast, they're both doing the same thing. They both tried to resolve the problem from where they were now. You know, they quickly adapted to the situation and tried to deal with it. And I particularly loved Janeway Dal. Is that right? The one that's on the protostar, the one that's Dal's body with Janeway in. Janeway. Yeah, so Dal's body, Janeway, the way she immediately sort of started treating that crew as though they were her crew, like she was like, okay, this is the situation, ideas. And she immediately fell into this routine of a sort of ersatz actual Starfleet crew, which must be very validating for them characters that... Yeah, that somebody of her stature being... immediately does that. That's a really good point. Uh, and I also love the fact that, um, oh, it, it was annoying, but in a way which seemed true to like what could happen. So it's so like when Dal in Janeway's body was on the, um, what's the other ship's name? The Dauntless. The Dauntless. I love the fact that, like, just I was screaming at the TV just every time, going, just. 
fucking tell them who you are. Tell them what's happening, mm-hmm. and they'll understand. Just talk to them. But it's kind, quite understandable. Someone of his age who's yes. been put in this position maybe wouldn't have the chutzpah to do that. But it's just, it's 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 a well-written annoyance. It's it's yeah. all like a, a yeah. And I, I like being annoyed by that. That's something that I really liked about this. Is that I like body swaps anyway. They're good fun. But it serves a very, very good narrative purpose at this point in the story arc in that they found a way for them to communicate with Janeway by doing this body swap. You put Janeway on the protostar and she sees what's going on and it gets the character of Admiral Janeway where we need her to be, which is... I'm now on the side of the protostar crew. I know that they're good guys. And we... We can move forward from there. Yep. We've arrived. We're getting a um, bot spam for porn sites. Excellent. Woo-hoo. And I do like to share these when they come out. So if you want a new adult dating chat free, mm-hmm. uh, look and check. Don't, don't delete those. Just, you know, <laughs> obviously I want to put informal complaints after the show. So just, just leave of them course. in the chat. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So then we get, we talked about this uh, from what we'd seen in the trailers, which was Janeway talking to Janeway, and we assumed it was real Janeway talking to hollow Janeway, but it's not. It's Dal Janeway, but they visually represent Dal Janeway as Janeway Janeway for the purposes of this scene. Uh, so so they misdirected us a bit with the trailer, but I don't mind that because we got a great scene I out of it. I don't mind a bit of misdirected because they surprises. Also, in effect, it is well, both Janeway. I got a lovely surprise today. Yeah. Look what Secret Santa brought me. Nice. Which, of course, you're not opening until Christmas Day because we follow the same rules with Secret Santa as we do I'm with not regular Santa. I'm not building it at all. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I just want to talk about that Janeway, Janeway scene. Yes. It was just, it was something so weirdly sweet. And it, again, it reminded me of that audio book slash book, uh, Mosaic, which they wrote about um, them on the basics planet, talking about how they each entered Starfleet. And when it's just Janeway giving advice to Janeway, it was weirdly satisfying for some reason. Like, and they remembered that, that time was like, you remember, you know, tell, say something that only I would know. Okay, you remember when I we knocked over sister's paints and dad said it's like right katie make something good out of that and it was just it was such yeah. a lovely thing yeah that no, was just, great it and, really the fact that, and you did get the singing music there as well and the fact that it was when she delivered that line that she visually changed into janeway that was just a really really because there was a scene <laughs> where dal janeway walked behind a pillar and i thought oh when they come out the other side, they're going to be Janeway. But instead, they saved it for that line, and I thought that that was a lovely little touch. Um, while Sorry. we're on the subject of misdirects, though, and I know this is one of our very tangenty episodes, but I rewatched the Back to the Future trilogy, and at the end of Back to the Future 2, there is a little preview of Back to the Future 3. And this isn't yep. a misdirect. This is just, why would you put this in the trailer? It shows the scene of Marty dressed as the cowboy when he goes to wake Jennifer up back in the present. And it's like, okay, so we know that he gets back to his normal time then. Cheers. 
Just silly. Yeah, I mean, I, silly. I, I, I kind of guess you probably would have made it. Yes, I know, but it's nice <laughs> not to know for definite, isn't it? I know what you mean. No, no, it's, um, yeah, I, I just remember having my mind blown by that because I remember seeing the first Back to the Future in the cinema and then I saw all of them in the cinema. And at the end of the two, when it's like they previewed three, I was like, this yeah. just doesn't and, happen. And like, I had no idea yeah. about back to back or anything like that at that age. And also, I think Back to the Future 2 doesn't get enough kudos for being one of the most wildly inventive sequels of all time that they go, right, the climax of Back to the Future 2 is the climax of Back to the Future 1. But the characters are interacting with it and changing things. I mean, that is just absolute genius and very bold thing to do. And I remember at the time people weren't as mad keen on it, and I, but I think it is getting more and more reappraised, but I just think that film is so yeah. clever when it does that. There's plenty of people who actually find uh, Back to the Future 2 their favourite. The first one's always going to be my favourite, but when I recently, I yeah, like a month or two back, I watched back all the three, three of them. And man, the second one hit really hard, especially the dystopian future and everything. Maybe it was a little bit too close to the knuckle. Maybe that's why it kind uh, of, Yeah, uh, I mean, Biffy's just true. Yeah, I mean, and, and it was always meant to be. That was... Perfect. Yes, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Which, actually, I was saying this when we were watching it last night, that what they should do, Biff should release NFTs... It's <laughs> a sort of counter Trump's NFTs. Anyway, back to Prodigy. They've sold out. I know they have. Well, I bought three of them. <laughs> what so, packs I'm just, come on, I hope I win that draw. I want to have my lunch with him. <laughs> Go play golf with him. Uh, but the Janeway Janeway scene, though, so yes, it's brilliant for all the reasons we talked about. But again, it has a brilliant plot function that it's like, right, Jay, real Janeway's here now. She can fix Hollow Janeway. So yeah. for the first time in the show, we've now got Hollow Janeway with all the memories restored, and we get to see my favourite character, Chakotay, make a little little appearance there. So obviously that's a highlight for me. So, also, talk about a misdirect. When I read some fan fiction about Janeway on Janeway, it was a very, very different scene. I I, I, I didn't see anything I was expecting. And to we'll, we'll put a link to that we'll in, the, in the comments yeah. as well. If you go to this... From the chatbot. Yeah, the chatbot's probably got the Janeway Janeway stuff that Dr. Squeeze talking yeah. about. Lovely little shout out to the fact that she once turned into, into a salamander when they're talking about how crazy the plan is. Yeah, she can cope with anything. Oh, and I was going, just, just, just mention the bath and monkey. Just mention the bath and monkey and no. Nah, I think, weirdly, we're the only people who find the whole bath and monkey thing as funny as we do, but... No. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I think that is an overlooked episode. <laughs> and if you've not watched it recently, you need to go back and watch the episode where Chakotay makes Janeway a bath. And I don't mean runs her a bath, I mean makes her a he bath. makes her a bath. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so... But she doesn't, he doesn't turn her into a bath. No. When we say makes her a bath... Oh, Jesus. He gets a tree, yeah, he we're cuts not it down, space, he hollows out a bath... <laughs> And he gives her a shoulder rub, and there's a monkey in it, and we're not making this up. This is not one of these made-up um, things that Dr. Squee were talking about. Anyway, I wonder how, what proportion of our episodes we end up talking about Janeway and Chakotay in the bath, because it seems a disproportionate amount. <laughs> I think it's exactly the right amount myself. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they come up with this whole plan, and... 
they're gonna rejoin and have to touch hands and they have this now, great bit I, where I do like how the top how they discuss how they can tell him what to do and they notice him doing an SOS. Yeah. Going, oh, we'll use Morse code and then they go No. All he knows is SOS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which to be fair is all most of us know in Morse code. So I'm with him there. Um why no one has written a Janeway monkey fan fiction yet? Well, you clearly haven't checked uh, Jim's website recently. Look, I mean, probably because, I mean, Star Trek. I think we actually came close at the live show. Yeah, and Star Star Trek certainly popularised slash fiction. We did run a vote on who she slept with, and the monkey was more popular. Yeah. (laughs) So, I would guess, possibly because getting into the bestiality sub-level of slash fiction is probably a bit much for some people. Like, I know in the whole, in the supernatural slash fiction community, there's a a big divide over people who quite enjoy the... I suppose it could fall into the fairies category. That'd have to be a person dressed as a fairy. And look, I I have a friend who's a fairy, and I've on good authority that it is not a sex thing. Okay. Really? Have you seen the uh, photos to put out and the pictures to draw? I am just telling you, from the experience (laughs) of a friend I have who is a furry, they have assured me it is not a sex thing. Okay, I know. And I'd like to make it clear that friend is not me. (laughs) I'd like to make it clear that friend is not me. No. I am a dragon uh, with some man parts uh, who puts on a human suit during the day. There you go. So very different. Very different. Look, I'm just supporting the furry community here and so anyway so we think that's the reason why there's no Janeway monkey fan fiction um there's a bit where Janeway says that Dal will never be allowed to join Starfleet which oh, is very sad yeah. oh. talk about suddenly layering something in I didn't pick up with even though they've just in strange new words had a storyline about someone who's genetically mm-hmm. modified I didn't one second question that that's where they were going with Dell, and I loved it. I well, love it when they kind of like uh, put something right in plain sight, and I miss it. It's I'm, a surprise. I'm wondering if where we are going to go with this eventually is that that will get overturned, and then so. that will like how the doctor about like with the doctor in uh, yeah. DS Nine and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we I think that is the storyline we're we're going to come up on. Perhaps that, even later. It's, series, an old, you know? it's an old law. It's bigotist. Bigot yeah, we know yes. why it was done in the first place, but we've moved on from. Yeah, being and like I that. think maybe we are looking at telling that story here, and that of course opens up possibilities for um, probably not Picard because that was already in the can before we've done this, but things like Discovery, you could have Starfleet officers in the future. Bashir yeah, does I have mean, genetic enhancements in. There was a special yeah. deal made. That is dealt with very specifically because it's, well, he was already in Starfleet and was very decorated by and the time it also, came to light and his parents did a deal to go to jail. And, I was going to yeah. say, so his dad, which claims it, his dad kind of went to Starfleet and well, made this very specific it, deal it was one case. But the I genetic think, enhancements is what augments our yeah. genetic enhancements. Yeah. I, that, I think what we're, 
I think what we're going to see is, I think they're going to, in Strange New Worlds, I think they're going to link these. I think in Strange New Worlds, we're going to have that play out so that she's allowed to stay in Starfleet. Again, on a very specific case, but then I think then in uh, Prodigy, we have them citing a couple of, like, I think we're going to have a courtroom kind of thing, mm-hmm. and they're going to cite the case from Strange New Worlds as well as Bashir. I think it's going to be a lovely callback. That'd be really there. good, yeah, if they, they tied all of this stuff in. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be excellent. They should do more of that where, where they've got shows in different Absolutely. times. Absolutely, they should, yeah. to running things Why like you that. can't reference one to the other. I mean, yeah, what and, and it, if you have something happen which has a bearing on that adventure next week yeah. in the other show. What it opens up possibilities to do is things like they used to do with the, the novels. Um, when Star Trek novels were a lot more popular than they are now, like you used to get several a month. And I remember they did the first one they did was called Invasion, and it had original series TNG, DS9, Voyager. And they, they tied together this big story, and it was like Kirk's crew first encountered I've these read aliens. The first one. I've not read you were two. Yeah, well, they're interesting is that the first one, uh, Kirk's crew encounters these aliens, and they're kind of like pagans, and there's a wicker man, and all this stuff. Then the second one, Picard's crew encounters the same aliens a hundred years later, and blah, 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 blah. And one of Picard's crewmen gets sucked through a wormhole at the end. And then clearly, the writer who did the DS9 one went. Yeah, I'm not interested in that. And they did a story about the enemy of this pagan species. So is it the DS9 one in no way connects apart from going, yeah, this species that they're dealing with in DS9 knows the species that they... <laughs> Shut up, I'm doing my story. But then the Voyager episode picks it up and it turns out they're actually from the Delta Quadrant and the crew member that they lost in the TNG episode reappears in the Voyager one. So it was interesting. Because uh, they also did Captain's Table, and I think yeah. Captain's Peril, maybe? No, there was Cap- Cap- no Captain's Peril was something They did else. a Day Captain's of Honor Table. one, a Klingon one. They did, mm. they did Captain's Table. They did Gateways, which was the Iconian Gateways. They did one called Double Helix, Genesis. where it was a, a virus. Um, so they did various good one. ones. Yes, but the, the I'll be honest with them. I mainly just read them for the New Frontier books because the New Frontier books were always awesome. Um, anyway... We will get to the end of this episode and we will give you our pictures for our episodes. We will. So they do the the spacewalk, they use the phaser beam as a conduit and everybody gets back where they should be. But we end on a big cliffhanger, which is they're getting into Federation space. There's a massive armada, but also Janeway's back in her own body, but she's in the brig. So... We've moved all the chess pieces. We've got them where we want for the two-part finale, and we're ready to go. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be an electric uh, finale. I think um, I love the fact that Janeway's in, in the holding cell, but that is the perfect MacGuffin to just hold her long enough that she'll it'll add tension, but it doesn't hold her. Like, as soon as the Doctor does another scan on her, they can verify it's her. She can explain yeah, what happened. I don't think up. she's going to be in the cell that long. Yeah, but I think just long enough to create a bit of extra danger so that um, the diviner and his people can yeah. put all their chess pieces in place. I also did love, just as a uh, little callback to earlier in the episode, I did when, like when Dal, Dal and Janeway's body goes out of the quarters and they basically got these guys just having a chat and he's like... Just lovely at moment. Sorry, my I did like that the diviner came to let Janeway... Yes! And he says about how the beat the federation has been the enemy's people for all his life or 
as long as he can remember. Yeah. But he's returning what she did and saving her life. It, and it, he you doesn't can... know that this is Starlight is released. No, that was exactly. that was a good dynamic that you had him not knowing that it's Dal and Dal not being able to play his hand. So, yeah, yeah. very, very nicely constructed. Make, and if you make your bad guys somewhat relatable and have this human side to them, mm-hmm. uh, or humanoid side, I guess, uh, it is a really nice thing. I, I think that's really well done. And and it gives you so much more. So we don't know now if he's going to be turned around, maybe, mm. and maybe his protege takes over that evil role. We don't know if he's going to be stay evil to the end we don't know like that opens it up so get, it adds more well, mystery we may get, you get some... the impression that there weren't an evil pe- evil species no, no. they're just being driven to something because of they had their own internal political <coughs> civil war exactly. because they couldn't decide if they wanted to join the federation or not and they took it and they were in a point of desperation like you know yeah. when, when they go back to the past Maybe he's had a beat, not that he's kind of strayed from his mission, but he's had a beat to kind of like maybe process some more stuff and maybe that leaves him a bit more open to his moral side. Yeah. I'm wondering if we might get a bit of partial redemption for the Diviner because there's a lot of talk of Gwyn and everything and obviously we had that episode where he abandoned Gwyn and I wonder if will he finally put Gwyn above himself at the end, you know, and who knows? Yeah. Anyway, I think the Vindicator could be the baddie in season two. Could well be. You mean season three? No, season two, because we're only in, at the end of uh, two season one. I know. Let's do it official. You're right. With no hard view on it. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I don't think we mentioned. What was our view again? Yeah, yeah we, we had thoughts <laughs> on it. Um, <laughs> so... Let's move on then to the Christmas episode. So, how are we gonna? How are well, we gonna I do? Have, I haven't really got a story. Right. Let's, I've got a picture of where we can start. Let's let's do Elliot's first then. So, mine starts exactly where we've just left off. Ooh. With Janeway in a cell. Okay. And we hear a familiar voice. Can okay. Go to sometimes to hide from me, and of course, it's our old friend Q. Ooh, and he goes, Do you remember the last time you tried hiding from it from me? And we have a click of his fingers, and she's on the bridge of Voyager mm-hmm. looking out the view screen, and she's hidden in a Christmas tree. Oh, yes, nice. And he goes, Did you ever wonder where you were actually hiding? And we have another click. Uh-huh. And she stood in a lovely room and she sees a, a familiar captain <laughs> surrounded by children. Oh, I just, there we I'm go. just laughing because have you, have you been looking at some of my notes? This is, uh, there's a few weird parallels with that, is all I'm saying. It's different, but it's parallels, yeah. And he, he points, and she's sort of, well, Cecily goes, Oh, don't you think Voyager looks like a lovely ornament? And he clicks his fingers again, and we start seeing other familiar starships appearing in the Christmas tree. Uh Uh-huh. And we have a nice adventure with different captains. But we have this strange thing. Like, one of them is Captain Pike, but it's pre-discovery Captain Pike on his first five-year mission. Because at some point he'd make an omnitant beam. And 
Pike can't understand why occasionally Q's walking behind him singing drip, drip, drip little April showers. And uh, everyone else okay. thinks it's so out, so untasteful. And Pike just thinks, why are you singing this at Christmas time? But everyone else knows he's singing it, taking the piss out of how he melts later. Oh, oh April showers is his face. <laughs> Jesus. I didn't even put that together. I wondered was where he, you were going saying, with is that. that? Is that Captain April riff? It's yeah, I was thinking, oh. <laughs> and that's how, as far as I've got. And is that the musical number you mentioned to, to us in chat earlier when we were talking about this? But in the meantime... <laughs> Oh, it's just too big his normal dick himself keeps singing this song and everyone's shocked at him because everyone else knows what's happened Aww. to Pike. And Pike just thinks he's being weird singing an April shower song <laughs> at Christmas. <laughs> well, that, that's that's a pitch. Yeah, that, <laughs> you... that, that, that went dark very quickly. <laughs> it did, it did. I'm not sure. And at that... the end, it's like Merry Christmas. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that's the note we want to leave the viewers on at Christmas. But you never know. EastEnders always does depressing on Christmas Day. So <laughs> the very end of the episode is just an up close on melted Picard's, uh, sorry, Pike's face, and just the, the, the message comes off on the screen: Merry Christmas. Everybody. Yeah, and then there's another clip, and it's actually I think I've got a nice way of starting, though, How we get all the yeah, that's together. really good. And yeah, the, it turns out Pike's face is the candle that's on the centerpiece at the Christmas table. And also, uh, Pike's face was deep in Christmas Eve. Hey, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're being horrible about Pike's face. Hey, look! No, look, we didn't want it to happen. It just does. I'm just gonna have to rewrite mine. Mine's got a Captain Pike joke in it, but I feel like he's had enough stick now. <laughs> Okay, yeah, let's let's hear yours, mate. Let's hear mate. Okay, so this is the it's an episode of the new Starfleet Academy series starring Tilly and Admiral Silver Daddy Bear. And it's called A Very Tilly Christmas. Okay, and you win. <clears throat> so basically, okay. Tilly's out with the students on a field trip, as you do, and She's talking to them, so it's around Christmas time, and she's talking to them about Christmas customs back on Earth. You see, so what we're doing here is we're layering little bits into the story that are setting up the themes of it. So we've got right. the students saying, oh, so what do they do on Earth at Christmas? She goes, well, I'll tell you. So we're setting up that this is going to be a Christmas episode, but then we start to drop in like our little through line for the episode, which is we've had all these hints about how... Tilly misses her mum, now she's in the future and everything like that, and she starts to talk about Christmas at home with her mum and with the family and everything like that. So we drop that just in. Ask Jim? Jim, just a question, sorry, because you, that it's not on Earth, and I know Starfleet moved operations mm -hmm. from Earth. Where, where is it set? Where, where are they? Well, they're, they're out just somewhere exploring a, in a, a planet. In a the, space academy. Yeah, they, they, they've, the been, they've been on the what? You don't know about the Icelandic Yule Cat? No, I know about that weird Welsh horse. No, the Ice oh the Icelandic Yule Cat's a great folklore. Right. Well, said, well let's save the, the Icelandic cat for after Jim's pitch. I was just, <laughs> let's keep the question specific to the Yeah, pitch. yeah. She doesn't mention the Icelandic Yule Cat. <laughs> she she just mentions normal Christmas traditions. Anyway, the reason I'm non specific it's about the location. In Iceland. <laughs> 
is because the ship gets sucked into a wormhole, as happens so regularly in Star Trek, and they end up on this planet that it looks a bit run down, it looks a bit redraggled, it doesn't look like a nice place to be. And it's populated largely by little people. So we've got Warwick Davis and we've got Peter Dinklage guest starring in this episode. And Warwick's probably saying something like, Oh, it's so nice to see you, Tilly. I'm a really good actor. And then... I quite like his acting. I I think his acting's great. That's why I'm casting him in this episode. (laughs) And these little people are all... They seem to spend most of the time sort of making toys and carving things out of wood and things like that. And they go and take Tilly and the students to meet the leader, who is an older man who has a bit of a beard and he seems to be like the leader of this settlement. In a clever twist, though, he's played by Admiral Silver Daddy Bear. So we we still get Silver Daddy Bear in the episode, but he's playing a a different character. Maybe he's got a bit of makeup and things like that. Just going to write a check to put this in a production. And as Tilly's talking to him, it becomes clear that this guy's not very happy. It's almost like his purpose in life is not being fulfilled by his current situation. And a red suit help? Well, no, he's not in a red suit. No, would the red suit help? A red, well, I don't know. It might do. Don't don't be trying to guess the twists, <laughs> which have not been signposted too well so far. And as she's talking to him, he keeps making references to like different planets. It's like he's been everywhere in the galaxy and different time zones and things like that. And she starts to get curious about like, you know, why why are these people here and how has this planet come to be? And eventually she finds like a broken down ship and it uses a unique form of technology that they've not seen. And this guy explains that it's powered by dilithium, but it, it actually could take him anywhere in the galaxy and it, used, it harnessed the power of the wormholes and it could go to any place and any time really, really quickly. But because of the burn, it stopped working and everything. And the little people are, are then talking to the kids and you get these scenes and the kids are talking about, oh, yeah, well... Tilly used to work on this ship and they had this spore drive that could jump all over the galaxy. And Warwick and Peter Dinklage get really excited about this. And they decide to go and um, talk to the leader guy about it. And he's really excited as well. And um, this idea of having some sort of technology that would allow him to travel all over somewhere in one night seems to really, really appeal to this guy. And he says, oh, you know, that would be a lifesaver for me. And meanwhile, the Warwick and Peter Dinklage have taught Tilly how to carve and she's carved a little carving of a mum and a Christmas scene. And eventually the guy says, right, well, I'll, I'll show you which wormhole takes you back to your bit of the galaxy. And they patch up the shuttle and they go back and everything. And then it cuts to the bearded guy and the little people and they're the still really down and dreary. But then Tilly comes back and she's brought them a prototype of a new spore drive and they go, oh, that's wonderful. And here, here, here's the twist. 
they they sort of press a button and it turns out this whole thing's been a massive cloaking field on the planet and it turns out it's only Santa and his elves these guys and the reason they've been so depressed is because when humanity spread out into the galaxy they had to deliver all the presents all over the galaxy not just all over earth and they couldn't do it at first until they found this technology and then once the burn happened they weren't able to deliver all the presents on Christmas Eve and they've been really depressed. But now that they've got this spa drive, yes, Dr. Squee, do you have a question? Sorry, a very important question. When they re reveal, like, they, they drop the cloak uh, from mm -hmm. around everything. Yeah. Is Santa still played by Admiral Silver Daddy Bear? And maybe In he gives a little wink to the camera when, when Tilly goes like, actually, you still look exactly like uh, the, the Admiral. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's still playing. Really he's still played by Admiral Silver Daddy Bear. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. We're, I'm, I'm sorry. We, we've got yeah. Admiral yeah. Silver Daddy Bear on the payroll, and he's got a grey beard. He's playing Santa. I'm sorry. Good enough for me. And it turns out that I wonder if I could get a role. <laughs> and it turns out that the ship that he showed them earlier actually looks really like a sleigh now that the cloaking field's been um, been released. And he says, oh, for the first time the in... Those look like reindeers. The, 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 there's, there's reindeers and everything, but you see, the magic the, wasn't good enough to get them around the whole galaxy. And is the head elf in charge of the operations under Santa, perhaps played by a guy who might have a parallel clock? You know, is it, you can... No, he's played by Peter Clinch, I've told you. We're, All right, I've seen something for the budget alarm clock guy. He can be the guy who keeps inventory. Okay, he can keep it, but... See, the thing is, we're being very pro-little people casting in this because of all the That's Lord true. of the Rings That's technology true. and everything. They don't get the roles, and I appreciate completely yeah. if, like Peter Dinklage, they don't want to play roles as elves and dwarves and things, but... I'd like to see uh, Peter Dinklage cast as somebody who's six foot tall, then. No, if we're no. going to do equality... Where they're going to he cast played the giant as dwarfs. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Pardon me. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. You're right. You're totally right. We shouldn't do uh, anti little people casting. They should no, get the totally. roles which uh, the... they're there to play. Just which, which is why it's perfect to have Mr. Budgie Lampot guy. Uh, he could be like the guy who keeps inventory because that guy loves a procedural job. He okay, gets up we can put yeah, like we can day. put him in. He can be the guy who like ticket. And it means the little people aren't on minion jobs. He, he can be them. the one who like checks the list of who's been naughty and who's been nice and okay. everything. Dinklage was a giant in Thor Facebook user. Thank you. I was it about was to point that out. Called the dwarf. He was called the dwarf, called but him. he was very very tall. Very tall. Anyway, so Santa says to Tilly, yes, he was Avengers Endgame. We knew that, yeah. Yeah, we weren't going to correct you live on air. Um, so Santa says to Tilly, do you want to come along, you know, when I deliver all these presents? And this obviously is a decision for the wardrobe department, and I have no say in this whatsoever. But if they want to put Tilly in a, I don't know, like a sexy Mrs. Claus outfit or something for the rest of this episode, that is completely up to the wardrobe department, not me. And yeah. then, because this Santa can travel through time and space and everything, we get a montage of him delivering presents to all the captains 
So there's a bit where Kirk's back on Earth after Star Trek IV and he's lost his glasses and Santa brings him a new new glasses to replace the ones he had to sell in Star Trek IV. Oh, that's nice. And then, and then he hugs it again, the ungrateful bastard. No, you well, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's a perpetual loop. And um, Picard actually gets delivered that mysterious crystal. So it's pre-season one Picard, but, you know, Picard's mysterious crystal that he always plays with in episodes. And it's one of them things. It's like it's like the reverse Mandala effect. Like, you don't remember it until someone points it out. But Picard actually picks up and plays with a crystal in numerous episodes of TNG. Yeah, lots and lots of if episodes. You've not, I've never seen it. Oh, I will send you a I've video link to it. it. Once you have it pointed out and you're watching through it, yeah, you it's, see it long. Yes. But it's one of yeah, those yeah. that you go, how did I not notice that? Because he literally does it all the time. Anyway, so that's where he got his mysterious yeah. crystal from. Cisco, Picard likes playing with his crystal. He does? Wait. And no one notices. Cisco gets a catcher's mitt, probably like signed by Buck Bakai or someone, you know, one of his favourites. And Janeway gets a brand new coffee maker, like, you know, one of them proper smeg ones or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Janeway gets one of them and she's really happy. Archer gets like a dog toy for Porthos. And finally, oh, well, that's not a present for Parf, it's not a present for him. Yeah. It will give, it will give Archer will all give the pleasure. Archer I know all the pleasure, won't it? Yeah. And then yeah, finally, I'll, we I'll go with that. We see Captain Pike, and he wakes up, and his hair's all over the place, and he opens the present, and he's got some brill cream from Santa, and he's like, ah, oh, and he does his hair. Quick. That's it. So one thing he couldn't get the replicator to do right. And then they're just about to head back until he says, oh, so are we done now? And Santa says, no, I have one more present to deliver. And he takes Tilly to be a mum's present for Christmas and she gets to spend Christmas with her mum and her family oh, one more time. Oh, oh, I like that. And oh, that's huh. how it ends. And then somebody that's says to cute. Captain Pike, ugh, horrible face, <laughs> So that... that <laughs> yeah, yeah his, his face melts as the credits go down. That is the episode of Very Tilly Christmas. <laughs> okay. That is beautiful, and I love it, and I'm commissioning it now. Uh, I have no power to do so, but I'm in. Here uh, we go. Are we ready for um, a, a Christmas carol, I'm going to call it? A what works, Carol? What? So, a Christmas cra- Carol. A Q- oh, are you stealing my Q idea already? The notes were already on here, I swear. Um, I saw you typing frantic. Yeah, away. that's it. A Christmas Carol. Uh, crawl at the start of the TV movie, which it is, uh, sets the scene that we're in. in a, we're a year into the Dominion War Ooh. and how badly it's going. So, a la kind of the beginning of uh, Voyager and DS9, the crawl you get and stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, wait, 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 wait. Sorry to. Yeah. Why do you get a TV movie? Well, because because you should have pitched for a TV movie. You 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 said an episode. Yeah, it's a TV movie episode. It's feature length. All I didn't right. Say well, mine was retroactively. Mine was a cinematic release. Mine can be as long as people want it to be. 
Actually, this would probably work in cinemas too. But either way, uh, it's, it's no, 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 no. <laughs> TV movie. It's TV movie because on one of the cool streamers. Okay. <laughs> Carry on. Paramount Plus. Um, Picard is on the bridge in the Dominion War. There's a huge battle. The Enterprise barely survives and has to be tracked back to Starfleet with an honor guard of ships. Later, Picard is in his quarters listening to some harsh classical music up loud a la first contact. Mm-hmm. Troy comes in and Picard pauses playback. Troy, some of us are meeting in 10 4 tomorrow after we've caught up on some much needed sleep. We'll be in space dock for a week. Perfect chance to catch a moment to pause. Picard, I haven't got time, counselor. I need to talk strategy with Starfleet if we're ever going to win this war. Troy, you need rest, Captain. It means nothing if we win the war, but lose ourselves. Ooh, Troy like then that. notices an easel in the corner of the room with a painting of Picard in his Nexus fa- and his Nexus family around a Christmas tree. Troy, I noticed this painting the other day, and in fact, I think it's been there quite some time. A year, maybe? Yes. It, I started it before the war. It's really important to hang on to hope. Maybe finishing this painting will help. Christmas has been known to be a great source of hope to humans. Picard, we're at war, Counselor. Not the time for the captain of the flagship of the Federation to hide behind an easel. Mm. You'll need to take every moment you have for hope. The rest of the crew looks after you. It looks after you. Sorry, you look after the rest of the crew. Who looks after you? Thank you for your counsel. I'll consider it. Troy takes the hint and leaves. Later that night, Picard is in bed with a book. As he drifts off, we see the book falling to his side, revealing the title, A Christmas Carol. We hear an all too familiar shimmering sound that lets us know Q is here. Suddenly, Picard's quarters are changed into a Christmas scene with a tree, presents underneath, and tinsel everywhere. Q and Picard spar over the idea of hope and why it's needed or is pointless. Picard. But why should you care if I have lost some hope for the future? It's a great Troy voice, thank you. Um, why should I, uh, sorry, Picard, but why should uh, you care if I've lost hope for the for the future and for the universe? Q pauses before bashing away the thought with a gesture of his hands. Even gods need to do maintenance. You should see the universe if the Dominion win. They would have no sense of uh, humor for my godlike games. That way is bad enough, but the founders? Q warns Picard, he will leave now, but won't plan, but don't plan on a good night's sleep and disappears with a click of his fingers. Going back to bed, Picard settles down again to sleep, questioning if this had been real or if a dream brought about by stress and an ill-advised bedtime reading. Then suddenly, with another shimmering sound, movie Kirk appears. Oh, wait. Was it question? Movie. Yeah, yeah, that was my question. Are we talking motion picture Kirk or classic red Kirk? Uh, classic red. Rob, the, the dialogue Rob was going to Or after Voyage Home. Well, if you listen to like the next like couple of paragraphs, it makes it very clear. Okay, carry on. It, it's red uniform, though. I will give you that much. Jean-Luc Picard sitting up, uh, walking and waking and sitting up, right? Jim. How are you here? I haven't seen you since, since the Nexus. Ah, that's not happened for me yet. I'm here to show you the true meaning of the Federation. Let me take you back to my enterprise. 
Kirk does the cue click, and we find ourselves in the dining room scene on board the Enterprise A from Star Trek VI. So that's ah, very good. We we play out the scene with Kirk t- talking of his mistrust and anger at the Klingons. I had lost hope in the Federation, and it it led to cut to the courtroom scene as Kirk's, Kirk's personal log is played back. I'd become so mistrustful, so so better. I didn't think the Federation moral code applied to me. In doing so, I lost more than my son. I lost myself. Kirk regales Picard with the story of how his friends saved him, and these actions lead to a hundred years of peace between the Klingons and Federation. Picard then scoffs. But then, all the more reason to hate this war that has driven the Federation and the Klingon Empire apart. We've lost even our closest allies. Which is... That which is lost may be found. Cut back to Picard's quarters. Kirk leaves an hour, uh, and an hour later, the next ghost appears in a click. It's Cisco. Mm-hmm. Picard, you of all people, how can you, after the Borg made me do, well, what I did to you, still want me to be hopeful for the Federation? I have something to show you. Of the Federation in the present, that oh, sorry, I can, can I? I've never heard can I? Be that high pitch. Yeah, can, it will be an. It's early Cisco's voice can I, can which I, it doesn't I, even apply. Yeah, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to give too many coaching tips, but I think if you're playing Cisco, you need to slalom. Yeah, you got slaloming. It's more like jazz. I have something to show you of the Federation in are. the present, and I can get us there faster than the find herself. In the click of his fingers, we're on Voyager. Cisco and Picard land on the ship mid-battle in the Scorpion episodes. Picard takes Picard through uh, how this episode nearly drove Janeway and Retrek favourite Chakotay apart. But in, in the end, it was them bring back, coming back together that would bring the Voyager home. Picard is more convinced, but speaks of how much larger the confli- uh, current conflict is to anything the Federation has faced save the Borg. I didn't want to do the Borg again. I felt that had been done to death with Picard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lands, uh, I mean, very well, but we've done it. Uh, he lands back in his quarters. Seven appears as the ghost of Federation future. Oh. She shows Picard their adventure time traveling to save the Federation from a dark fate at the hands of the Borg. So I've kind of slipped in the Borg, but not really done it. Uh, of how his actions saved the Earth from the Borg once more and how he saved himself in the process. She then shows him a future where the Federation did not endure. The Dominion and the Borg fight, reducing the worlds around them to dust. Picard, no. No! And sh- he-, he even throws a phaser at his little ships. Uh, he waits on the Enterprise E. Q? Q? Q, appearing in a nightgown and hat with candle lantern Alice Scrooge. Not so loud, mon capitan. Some of the ships are trying to sleep. So, it did happen. All of it in one night? So you think you have enough hope in the Federation to see out the war? Thank you, Q, for reminding me of the true meaning of the Federation. My pleasure, Jean-Luc. But if anyone asks, I was never here. Still breaking the rules of even your own people, I see. Q, ignoring this playful slight. Any last requests before I leave you to slumber? Picard? Pulling up the bedsheets and laying down. Q, make it snow. 
Ah, good one. <laughs> Snow falls on Picard's quarters as he drifts off to sleep. The next morning, Picard awakes and rushes out of his quarters. Cut away to him being in uniform. We next see Picard outside Troy's quarters, buzzing the entry chime. Troy comes to the, to the door. Captain, is everything all right? I can't explain it. I feel something's happened to me, but I can't seem to remember. But I wanted you to have this. Picard brings forth a wrap painting that Troy opens to reveal the Nexus scene, now complete. Captain, it's beautiful, but why give it to me? I had it all wrong. It's not about surviving this war at all costs. It's not about losing. It's about not losing who we are to the dark. You reminded me of that. So I wanted you to have this in case you ever needed reminding. Later that day, Card comes to Tem Ford, sewing, uh, seeing the bridge crew at the table. Eggnog's all round, please, Guinan. Guinan gives a puzzled look, what, uh, a puzzled look at this request, but makes the drinks, <coughs> and we see Card walking over to the crew table, the to the uh, to the table and sitting down with a smiling crew. The end. Hey! One... Yeah. If I were to please, change please. one thing... Yeah. I thought this is where you were going. The ghost of Christmas future could have been the guy with the parrot, because who and more you know, embodies the spirit of the Federation than that guy? In the future. You know, in the original one, that was the idea, but I thought I was too hopeful. I wanted him to see... What happens if he doesn't? Like, uh, if he doesn't, yeah, it's got to be about his, like, future, and it for Scrooge. I, 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 yeah. I really, I, I originally it was going to be him and Admiral Silver Daddy Bear going, "Look, the future's awesome," but he needed yeah, to. You're yeah, you're right. It needs to be a bad take on it. Yeah. So no, you're right. And absolutely then the first credit scene, right. Q appears, takes him to the future, <laughs> the actual future, and he sees Admiral Silver Daddy Bear and the clock guy, and everyone has a piss up with Tilly. There we go. Yeah, and all the episodes come together then all of our different stories I completely I can't agree with story. your criticism there Jordi his Cisco voice was rubbish and because Cisco's he doesn't story. know how to slalom slalom <laughs> I love it all and you're completely right he is so hard to do it's like, like free top. Troy, I think you go minimalist. I think she's overplayed sometimes in impressions. Uh, Picard's obviously easy because we just do a British posh voice and we sound um, like, you know, close enough. I think you, difficult. Could, you could have slipped in some dialogue there. Like, you could have had Picard saying, it's this real cue, and Cisco could have said, it's real! It's real! <laughs> You'll have to do Cisco next time. It's I, I, I'm not gonna... <laughs> I invented it! And I'm not gonna lie, there's a little part of me dining back on Cisco, so I didn't, didn't go too racial. <laughs> like I'm, yeah, I'm not touching that whole bag of worms. I just don't. That's Let's just fair. Do, That's a fair. Fair enough. Fair like enough. the American voice, we're good. Like I mean, he's got a really kind of like big, and I think it is an African American. Certainly, there's influence in the voice of that as well as uh, yeah. General I think American. Avery Brooks might secretly be the world's second nouveau shamanic actor after Nicolas Cage. Quite possible. I mean, <laughs> he is one of those things of like, yeah, is he genius or is he insane? And he does moments of both, I think. Like, uh, yeah, um, I think he's he, both. Yeah. yeah. He's a great actor, but he's sometimes, when you swing for the fences that hard, sometimes you're going to miss. Yeah. Sometimes you are. But when you hit, boy, do you hit it hard. It's true. And that's, and that's a and bit it, like yeah. baseball. 
which Cisco would appreciate. <laughs> yeah, um, I honestly thought you can you can make this like a Christmas Carol. With you can do, and I'm Star surprised Trek. Star Trek has never done a Christmas episode like they did that Halloween one once in the original series, Cat's Bar. But that that's the only sort of seasonal. And the whole day one. Yeah. Honestly, I think did I it think Thanksgiving in uh, Star Trek Six, which doesn't resonate with most of the world. I didn't no. think that's Thanksgiving. Okay, I get it. Yeah, I mean, I I think the one which we're uh, going to see. You actually get the original series as well, don't you? You have um, Kirk goes on the speaker and that's the chef to make sure that he, he uh, does. Gets yeah, but the they've never done. I mean, it, it's. It's more of a British thing than an American thing anyway, isn't it? The idea of the Christmas special. Like, they do yeah. have in, like, American sitcoms and stuff. They'll have episodes set at Christmas. But it'll just be part of the regular run, whereas in British TV, the regular run finishes during the year and then you get a but double or triple length Christmas special. special. I, I think that's a legacy, though, of the way they were made. So ours was always, like, traditionally six episodes long. Mm. And yeah. so... The chances of it actually spanning over Christmas were kind of yes, slight. So true. They, they usually did the Christmas special. So yeah, yeah, half a year that you're filming. So, so chances are you go over Christmas unless yeah. you've got a show that films that always shows maybe March to September. Yeah. so it never they, on at Christmas. You, then you might decide. No, oh, yeah, it's American it's really seasons were always September to May traditionally. Yeah, yeah. And what um, they did is they had kind of special summer shows, which ones, which were like, look, we're going to give a pun on this. We'll give you six to ten episodes. That used to be a, a, yeah. a, a very a rare thing, and it was a show they wanted to give a chance to, but they weren't super confident in. And some wonderful shows came out of that. Yeah. Um, anyway, and now they make all shows ten episodes, which is much better. So let us know in the July. Before we finish, oh. to learn the folklore of the Icelandic Yule Cat. Yes, please, Elliot. Tell yeah, us sorry, the folklore of the Icelandic Yule, Yule Cat. Please. The Icelandic Yule Cat looks like a house somebody. cat. Right. And sometimes it's depicted with horns, sometimes without. And it's either the size of a man... Oh, it's the size of a house. It varies in the size, depending on how the folklore's told. But it always is around wearing your Christmas clothes. And if you don't wear your Christmas clothes, the Yule Cat comes and mauls you, rips you apart and eats you. So you've got to wear your Christmas clothes. Right. I do like all these weird ones. Like It's a really strange one. I think, you know, Santa and stuff like that's all very nice, but when you start to scratch under the surface, there's a lot of murder and stuff goes on at Christmas yeah. with some of these yeah, demons. You, like, you can imagine, can't you go to kids who've got the clothes for Christmas? Oh, I don't like that. I didn't want clothes for Christmas. You will wear them. Oh, the Yule Cat's coming to get you. I am going to look up the Icelandic Yule Cat as soon as we finish. It is a real thing. Well, I was pretty sure she can take it. I've just told her the bit about the size of the I house. I think, didn't say, Brian um, Blessed punch one of them once or something? I'm sure I heard him tell a story. If, if, can I just... I, uh, I probably could. Can I just add one then, one more then of the weird one? You, you've probably heard of the Krampus because it's yes. been in movies in recent years. However, do you know about the Krampus' assistant? What, as why are they Pete? 
Suave Pete is not the name which they gave to it, as I, I think you probably know. Well, that's the one I've heard, but um, go on. Oh, okay. Well, basically, and in some uh, parts of Europe, they still call it this, the uh, assistant to the evil Krampus, which steals all the kids' presents if they're naughty, had a, he had a personal assistant called Black Pete, which was a black gentleman, who then they changed the name to Slave Pete because they thought that might be a bit more racially sensitive. And probably Suave Pete uh, is what they're using now because they're like, someone goes, no, no, that isn't any better to call him Slave and, Pete. And, and, and yeah, that's slavery. And yeah, traditionally, exactly. he was played by a white guy in blackface uh, yeah, at yeah. the Christmas things. Yeah. When we say black, I, I saw a Trek one talk about the Trek Klingons the no. other day. And, and no, he was actually right. And he's sort of like showing pictures of the original series uh, actors, mm-hmm. sort of as the Klingons, and then showing the real face and he's pointing at it and going, no. I don't think that's right what you've done there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not right. No, there was, yes, the problematic, as we, yeah. we tend to say it's these things. that you couldn't do now. Yes, nor should you. But, um, okay, so we'll wrap it up there anyway. Christmas wrap it up, eh? And hey. it's a Christmas episode as well. Come on, this is almost movie length. Exactly. Would you like to, I'll tell you what, for people watching who haven't seen. Oh, there we go. Have you seen my Santa? How big he is? How beautiful is that? I'm here as a dragon. Come on, James, where's your. And then, have you seen what my window does? Yeah. <laughs> nice. And just to, just to point out, we got Elliot, that Santa, from like a <laughs> bring and buy sale. And my mum said to me, are you sure he'll use it? And that was about <laughs> that was about over ten years ago now. So I think I think the investment paid off. Oh god, yeah. So um, yeah, come and let us know on Facebook what um, why Squeeze Christmas Story is the best Christmas story ever told. Uh, but also, Mine's if, got the best start though. If I, you I, have, I, I love them all. I genuinely loved all of those guys. Thank and if you, you have any of your own Star Trek Christmas ideas, let us know. You can also get us on Twitter if it still exists at RetrekPod. You can email us RetrekPod at gmail.com. Uh, Dr. Squeeze, is there a Dr. Squeeze Christmas show or are you having the week off? Yeah, we're, we're halfway through. So basically, this week we had part one of the Dr. Squeeze show unclassical Christmas specials. So uh, the ladies from Unclassical, they take a piece of uh, classical literature, read out and point out all the wild weirdness which is in old literature and all the sexism and like just stuff which is really isn't cool. And we have a good laugh about how how silly it is and how better we are hopefully doing now. Um, so we did that for Christmas. We've uh, picked, they've picked out a Christmas story which we're halfway through. You don't need to listen to the first part, but um, yeah, join us, join us on uh, Tuesday. Excellent. Tuesday and Retrek will be taking a break over Christmas week, but it's actually worked out quite nicely because the. Uh, Prodigy finale is showing over the next two weeks, but we're going to cover the two-parter in one episode when we come back the week after next. Um, so there will be a couple of videos put out on uh, Retrek Model Studios. Yeah, I've got my Hobby League International group build to finish before New Year, so 
there will be at least one more video out on that. But we just want to say to everyone listening, just thank you very much uh, for listening. It's our next one in the new year. Next one will be um, in the new year, yeah. yeah Let me check. I'll have to get my calendar. Yeah. Thanks f- for listening this year. Live long and festive. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas, everyone at home. Uh, thank you, guys. As you know, I've had a pretty shit year. Uh, and and Retrek has just been something to look forward to. And it's uh, doing things like this have made all the difference and kept my mental health at least slightly going. I mean, I'm just here. See, I dressed as a bloody dragon. So obviously not a, a complete success. But... <laughs> but yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. And we'll see you next time on the Retrek. Yeah. Yeah, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.